Hello and welcome back to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. Some of you have been following the SENS theory of aging for over a decade now and might be wondering if there is any progress. The answer is yes, as you learned from the podcast with Aubrey de Grey late last year. In that interview, Aubrey mentioned the artificial synthesis of glucosapane had recently been achieved. This is important because glucosapane is suspected to be a significant culprit in aging tissues. In this episode, we hear from the head of the lab that artificially created glucosapane. For those of you who are always dying to hear more technical details of aging interventions, this interview with Dr. David Spiegel should satisfy your curiosity. Hello, great to be here. Well, as a little background, how did you become interested in synthetic chemistry? Was it mostly scientific curiosity or was it a determination to cure human diseases? So it's funny, I often get asked this question. I, I was a uh, probably six-year-old kid and I was asked in whatever second grade what I thought I would be doing in the year 2000, which at the time was whatever, 21 years away. Sure. So at that time, I have still have this document. I wrote that I wanted to be a chemist in a drug company. And so, you know, I have stayed pretty true to that vision of my life. Um, I've always been fascinated by molecules and in particular the fact that sort of simple chemical matter has profound changes on human beings. You know, so chemistry was a sort of natural outgrowth of, of that interest, in particular the idea that I could rationally design drugs to do things that nobody else had thought a drug could do. And so that has led into research interests in my lab, one of which is in the area of uh, immunotherapeutics, new kinds of molecules that can manipulate the immune system to do interesting and cool things. And then also the idea that drugs and small molecules can be useful in reversing the aging process. Your synthetic chemistry lab made headlines last year for synthesizing glucosapan. Mm -hmm. Many podcast listeners are familiar with the theory that glucosapan is possibly a significant contributor to the aging process, being an extracellular cross-linking molecule, stiffens tissues. Uh, but most aren't familiar with the reason why it has been so difficult to do anything about it. Why has science been so stymied in regards to this molecule, even though it's been known for decades? Yeah, it's a good question. So... You know, it's a very difficult molecule to make. So, um, well, really two issues. One, it's a difficult molecule to make, and two, it's actually a difficult molecule to isolate. So even though it's found in all of us, it's in our tissues, it's in our bones, trying to isolate it in a pure form from the human body is incredibly difficult. Only very small quantities are obtained, and actually those, the, the compounds that are isolated are actually mixtures of very similar, what are known as stereoisomers, or uh, they're, they're kind of different versions of glucosapane that simply can't be separated. And so from my perspective, I thought it would be quite valuable 
to take on this challenge. And that's really what one of the main focus areas of my laboratory is making very difficult molecules using techniques in organic chemistry. So, you know, in my mind, this is something that I've, I've sort of believed for a long time. Glucosapane is, you know, I've thought that it is a perfect marriage of interesting chemistry and incredibly interesting biology. The biology here is hard. People have had a difficult time, as we've said, isolating and studying glucosapane. And of course, making it has proven an incredibly difficult challenge because of its complex and intricate chemical structure. So we've been very interested, again, in making it. Now we're in the phase of seeing what we can do with it, in particular with the goal of breaking glucosapane or, de or developing agents that can break glucosapane that we think can actually reverse the pathology associated with aging. And on that, the pathology associated with aging, do you have any insight as to how big of a factor glucosapane plays in the aging process? You know, there is certainly a lot of evidence indicating that levels of glucosapane correlate with end organ damage in diseases like diabetes, which I think th there's an argument that diabetes one of the sort of hallmark features is a kind of accelerated aging of the tissues. Also in people that are simply older and uh, people greater than 65 years of age, it turns out that there is more glucosapane found in collagen than there is enzyme-catalyzed crosslinks. The crosslinks that are presumably supposed to be there are actually outnumbered by glucosapane. And it's these very tissues that are involved in the diseases of old age. So collagen-containing tissues include blood vessels, bones, joints. And what do we see in old age? We see cardiovascular disease. We see joint disease. We see uh, renal disease often. And so there's a lot of correlative evidence that's backed up with reasonable sort of mechanistic speculation about a, a causative kind of role that glucosapane can play uh, that I think really does implicate it as a, a key factor in determining the kind of what we call the pathophysiology or the, the damage, uh, the disease, the element of old age that is a disease. Okay. Uh, now that you've made the molecule mm -hmm. and you're looking into breaking the molecule, do you have any estimate of how long it might be before there is an effective therapy that addresses glucosapane? That's a good question. I mean, I think from the standpoint of basic research, you know, we've already made some progress in identifying some potential strategies for breaking glucosapane. There is a significant, as you know, there's a significant regulatory challenge associated with bringing new therapeutics to market. And so, you know, if I had to estimate, this is a very high bar. Uh, in terms of, uh, it's just an extraordinary challenge. Just the idea of making therapeutics that can break a molecule is kind of an untested concept. But, you know, the progress that we're making and the kind of surge in interest right now in, in protein and enzyme-based therapeutics in pharma makes me speculate that it, it's possible that we could have something that is therapeutically viable on the order of 10 to 20 years from now. That may not seem like a short time, but from the standpoint of therapeutics development, I think it's within our kind of vision. 
Sure. Staying on that kind of thought there for the breaking of glucosapane crosslinks could be very important for aging research. Some people think that crosslink breaking enzymes will be too big to reach the links that must be cut in collagen fibrils and thus uh, prefer small molecules. Other people think that small molecules will be too unspecific for the Uh task. What do you think? What's your preferred strategy for the search of a glucosapane crosslink breaker? That's another excellent question. You know, I, I think that, you know, as a small molecule chemist, I would love nothing more than to develop a small molecule that could break glucosapane crosslinks. And it's certainly something we've been thinking about for quite some time. I think it's actually a very difficult challenge for a small molecule to break uh, a stable crosslink like glucosapane. Mechanistically speaking, in terms of the underlying chemistry, um, you know, I, I think it's not clear how such a small molecule would function. Now, on the enzyme side, I, th- I think it's possible, or I should say the protein side, I think it's possible to imagine very low molecular weight enzymes that could be tissue permeable to the extent that they actually do reach glucosapane crosslinks. And so, you know, my preferred strategy is actually a protein agent, but by all means, I encourage anyone out there listening, and certainly I'm also encouraging the people in my own lab group, that small molecule-based strategies should be should not be abandoned. So, you know, I think both strategies are potentially viable. I think the one that I can envision really succeeding in the shortest time frame is probably an enzyme. On that same thought process here, other work in your lab has revolved around using synthetic molecules to detect cancer and encourage the immune system to attack. Do you think antibodies could be brought to bear against glucosapane? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I should say uh, our lab is in the process and we're, we're making great strides toward identifying the very first selective anti-glucosapane antibodies with just that goal in mind. One could imagine an antibody that could bind glucosapane and have attached to it some kind of catalyst that would enhance the breakdown of glucosapane. One could also imagine antibodies useful for the diagnosis uh, or the detection of glucosapane crosslinks in tissues. And so I think antibody strategies are really high on the list. A lot of people who would like to help out in this type of research but don't have the expertise use crowdsourced computing efforts, such as Folding at Home, Rosetta at Home. Mm -hmm. Could the search for a glucosapane breaker be helped through this type of platform? Absolutely. And in fact, we've certainly discussed those efforts. We have collaborators who have sort of started work along those directions for sort of computationally modeling the role of glucosapane in collagen crosslinks. And with that information in hand, I think it really could be possible to develop a kind of hypothetical mechanistic strategy. When I say mechanistic, I mean, how would a molecule work? What would the chemistry have to look like for a, an antibody, a small molecule, some other kind of therapeutic modality to break down glucosapane? Because, you know, it does have a very unique and actually surprisingly stable chemical structure. And in fact, you know, breaking down glucosapane means more than just causing it to degrade. One would also need 
to cleave the molecule in such a way as to separate the lysine and the arginine strands or side chains that are being cross-linked by glucosapane, such as to restore the mobility and the flexibility in the tissues that are cross-linked. Right. Okay. Uh, and then for the do-it-yourselfers uh, who might be into synthetic chemistry or for other labs that might be uh, listening in, is the molecule that you synthesized patented? Is your university licensing the process or the molecule? Yeah, so it is patented. Um, we are in discussions around licensing the molecule. Um, we also are providing the molecule to the community for basically just the cost it takes for us to make it. We want to encourage efforts of all kinds to, to find glucosapane breakers. And so by, you know, again, making it commercially available but uh, and or uh, developing collaborations with other laboratories are all really high on our priority list. And so, you know, for the do-it-yourselfers out there who are interested, feel free to contact me, um, you know, and, and, and we can certainly set up an arrangement where, uh, you know, my lab will provide glucosapane for research purposes. Okay, and that would be they should just look online for the Spiegel Research Group at Yale University and they'll be able to contact you or someone of uh, a member of your lab? Correct. Great. Well, and lastly here, what other research is underway in your lab currently? Something people should be keeping an eye out for. We have a number of research programs devoted specifically to aging and age-related crosslinks. I should also point out that we have been very grateful to the SENS Foundation for funding our work. Aubrey de Grey and, and uh, William Baines and uh, Michael Cope and others at the organization have just been incredible in terms of their vision for funding this, which is you know fairly high-risk research. We have antibodies, so we're developing reagents for detecting a wide variety of advanced glycation end products all of which we believe are involved in the aging process. We're also, we have a major effort, and as I mentioned before, in the development of new immunotherapies. So we're using small molecules that we design to seek out various kinds of disease-causing cells, organisms, proteins, what have you, for detection by the immune system. So we can actually make molecules that can alert the immune system to the presence of disease-causing factors that the immune system might have missed. And so there are obvious therapeutic potential there, not only in, in aging, but also in cancer, infectious disease, autoimmune disease, and a whole range of, of other conditions as well. Well, that does sound very promising. We'll all look forward to uh, future research publications from your lab. Uh, Dr. Spiegel, thank you very much for joining me on Longevity Now. Thank you. It's been great to be a guest. It is refreshing to hear of the collaboration between SENS and the Spiegel Research Group. It seems SENS has gotten good results from this investment. The problem is the money is running out. Dr. Spiegel informed me that funding at his university is drying up. Aubrey de Grey mentioned the same thing late last year in regard to SENS. This means that your support for rejuvenation research is even more crucial this year as the world economy slows down. As a nonprofit that advocates for life extension and provides funding for small-scale research, Longevity has the power to help out. Please consider joining as a member and watch for Longevity-approved fundraisers throughout 2016. Until next time, 
I'm Justin Lowe.